the Healing with Hydrogen podcast. Brought to you by H2 Minutes. Healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. This podcast is all about how hydrogen gas can aid in that process. This season is Healing with Hydrogen 101. And this is episode three, talking all about gas, hydrogen gas, the basics, the misconceptions, and more. Thanks for listening. Let's go. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is your boy, Taiwan Hubbard, and this is the Healing with Hydrogen podcast brought to you by H2 Minutes. Uh, this episode, we're going to be covering the star of the show. And so, Kayla, why don't you go ahead and give uh, the audience a little bit of a recap? Hey, guys, if you listened to our episode last week, we talked all about hydrogen, what it is, all the forms of hydrogen, a whole bunch of different things about hydrogen. But we saved the very most special information about the star of the show, hydrogen gas, for this episode. So this episode is all about molecular hydrogen and what that is and some different things about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So molecular hydrogen is our favorite form yes. of hydrogen. Why is it our favorite form of hydrogen? Well, I believe outside of just the basic stuff we knew from high school and that we barely paid attention to probably in our chemistry class. Uh, this hydrogen um, we actually encountered seven years ago now. Uh, it kind of opened the door, the world of hydrogen for us. And uh, without it, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. So um, I think that's just a little bit. But like, what about you, babe? Like, like, what is so special about molecular hydrogen for you? Well, it's literally the thing that has all the benefits that gives all the benefits we wouldn't even be doing what we're doing if hydrogen gas didn't have health benefits i mean yeah we have devoted our whole life (laughs) to talking about this little tiny molecule and the reason is because of its benefits yeah hydrogen has um, a lot of upsides when it comes to uh, the research and its potential health benefits that it can offer. And so if it wasn't for this form of hydrogen, uh, this podcast wouldn't even exist. So I'm excited to be able to go over some of the information around it, just the basic information about it, um, and do it through this medium so that we can reach more people uh, with this tiny little molecule called hydrogen. Yeah, so tell us some of the basic, basic, basic facts about what molecular hydrogen, excuse me, what Mm -hmm. that is. Yeah, so uh, first to begin, I think we'd, we would want to cover its basic names. Um, so as Kayla has already mentioned, uh, its number one name that's probably referred to is molecular hydrogen um, or hydrogen gas. Another name for it is diatomic hydrogen. Uh, then there's dihydrogen, and then there's always uh, H2. Uh, and H2 is its chemical symbol. Uh, and um, that basically just denotes that it is the form of hydrogen gas that we're talking about, hydrogen in the form of a gas. Uh, and so this gas is the smallest, simplest, and lightest gas in the entire universe. And some of its characteristics is that it's colorless, it's odorless, it's tasteless, it's flammable, And it's a diatomic gas. So this is super important for people to know. Um, Why? 
Why is it those characteristics? Why is it important for people to know? Well, I think there. Um, well, we can at least use one example, right? Let's let's say um, if we're discussing uh, the ther therapeutic nature of hydrogen gas, right? And one form of receiving the therapeutic benefits of hydrogen would be to consume hydrogen-rich water. Uh, one thing that's really good to know about the basic information, like it being color colorless or odorless or tasteless, um, it's centered around the fact that some people might drink hydrogen-rich water and say, hey, it has a taste. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, this, this water has a smell. You know that if it has a taste or it has a smell, whatever that hydrogen water is, what you're tasting or smelling is not the hydrogen. Yeah, there's something else. In there's there. something else in the water. Impurities, chlorine, um, minerals, uh, it, some other form of gas mm -hmm. um, that could be causing uh, the actual bad taste or um, smell that a person might be uh, might be actually experiencing. Right. Or even even the, like the good taste. It's like, oh, I love hydrogen. It tastes so good. Mm, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. They, they, you know your, yeah, like your hydrogen water tastes so good. And it's like, yeah, I think the water tastes really good for you. Um, hydrogen doesn't have a taste. So but it is it is pretty cool that um, just a little bonus fact, you don't have to pay for this one. But it does um, seem seem to be that hydrogen gas dissolving into water um, can seem to affect at least the texture or at least a person's palate. Um, it just seems to make the water a little more smooth in mm -hmm. the mouth. But, but beyond that, um, that's more subjective than anything. The right. point is, is we're trying to talk about what's objective around hydrogen and or hydrogen gas, molecular hydrogen. And it's colorless, it's tasteless, is odorless, is flammable, and it's a diatomic gas. Yeah, and it's so important to know, like even like these basic facts, which seemingly are like okay, yeah, whatever, because it's it can serve as a filter for information or even for our own biases. So it's like if we know these things, whenever we like get out there and we experience it. Mm -hmm. um, we have that to reference. So so no, what you're tasting is not hydrogen, something else. Go figure out what else it is. Right. You know, because you already know mm -hmm. that it doesn't have a taste. <laughs> right. And correct. There are some forms of hydrogen rich water that would, let's say, possibly produce a different taste or a taste experience for people. Mm -hmm. Right. But even with those other forms, let's say, for example, um, ionized alkaline water is mm -hmm. a form of hydrogen rich water. It's going to have hydrogen gas dissolved into it. But that water has a higher pH than normal. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not used to drinking high pH water, it's probably going to taste a little different for you. Right. You wouldn't say, oh, I don't like this hydrogen water because it gives me a taste. Mm -hmm. You would say, yeah, I don't like this form of hydrogen water because mm -hmm. it has a taste. Um, it, it, same, same with producing hydrogen-rich water, let's say, with um, alkali metals like hydrogen-rich tablets that use magnesium mm -hmm. the magnesium will probably produce a taste uh in the water but the hydrogen gas won't have any taste and right. you understanding it's around or you understanding these facts about hydrogen will help you be able to not only accurately understand that like the subject matter but like you said it can act as a filter for you 
mm-hmm. for let's say misconception or bad marketing. Yeah, so we're not blaming things for on hydrogen. Blaming that, hydrogen man. <laughs> that um, it didn't do. It's not hydrogen's fault, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So that simple thing will clear up a lot of confusion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's go ahead and continue with some of these basic facts around molecular hydrogen or hydrogen gas. Um, as I said earlier, it's a diatomic molecule or a diatomic element. And so we've actually identified uh, seven of these elements, um, but basically they're all gases and they bond with each other to form a gas and they're very stable molecules. Um, but uh, these seven elements would be hydrogen, uh, nitrogen, fluorine, oxygen, iodine, chlorine, and bromine. Um, and these are the seven diatomic elements. They bond with each other to form gases. And uh, and so hydrogen is classified they, as one of the, one so of these gases. they don't bond with each other. They bond like together, right? Y- yes. If like hydrogen, hydrogen yes, to form H2. To form oxygen, H2. Oxygen to form, to form O2. O2. Yes, correct. Okay, that's kind of sounded like... All of them together. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Sorry if that didn't come out as clear as I would want it to be. But yes, you know, chlorine atom will bond with another chlorine atom to form Cl2. Um, Hydrogen H will bond with another hydrogen H to form H2. Right. Um, And so that's why they classify these molecules or atoms or elements as diatomic elements so they're like loners they don't they just like themselves yeah they bond with themselves (laughs) and uh and so considering the form that we're talking about today obviously hydrogen gas or molecular hydrogen hydrogen gas is actually two hydrogen atoms that are bonded together and so it's made up of two protons and two electrons and they are covalently bond together basically meaning they share electrons um, this molecule is neutral in its charge, so hydrogen molecule is neutral in its charge. And uh, it also, um, because it has its uh, valency shell f- full, um, it's a very stable molecule. So it's not looking for other molecules to bond with. It's just cool with hanging out by by itself. It's very stable. Yeah, so... What would be the significance of those things? The significance of it being neutral and charged and stable? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it kind of depends on um, the category in which we're speaking. But uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to get more into this a little bit later when we talk about hydrogen in the body. But it being neutral and very stable, meaning that it's not a very reactive molecule. So we, so we know that it's not going to participate in a lot of different reactions in the human body. Um, and also we know that it's neutral and it's charged, meaning that it has a very high rate of diffusing into our cells. So, you know, to get into the cells or bioavailability has, um, primarily two areas of interest, the size of a molecule and the charge of a molecule. Um, molecules that have a positive or a negative charge are going to, um, going to need some help. Uh, getting into our cells, um, which we don't need to get into biochemistry a whole lot, but basically uh, active transporters or or, or things of that nature to be able to penetrate or be able to access the cell. Hydrogen doesn't need any of those things. Since it's neutral and it's charged, it can just diffuse the bile, it can just diffuse um, the phospholipid bilayer and just 
go right into the sale and do what it wants to do. And uh, and so those are two things that are significant that I could speak to um, in a general sense about that basic properties of, of it. Now, moving on, molecular hydrogen's diatomic weight um, is about 2.02, or to be exact, it would be 2.016. If you had a mole of hydrogen gas, it would weigh 2.02 grams. And so uh, it is very light. It is extremely light. And um, we talked about that in the hydrogen episode. So, um, which, as I was stating in that episode, I'll state it again. Uh, this gas is so small and so light, we really don't have a category mm. for it. We just don't. And we're yeah. going to do more talking about it. And considering that, I said talking about its size, I'll, I'll give a real brief, small um, recap over what we discussed in the last episode about its size. Molecular hydrogen is 50 to 53 uh, picometers wide, and a picometer is a trillionth of a meter. So it is extremely, extremely tiny molecule. Um, and so to give you some references, I'll give you one or two. Uh, for example, um, hydrogen, the hydrogen molecule is about 26 times smaller than vitamin C and it weighs approximately 88 times its weight as vitamin C. So um, it is, it is tiny and small. <laughs> Vitamin C is a pretty popular antioxidant and molecule, um, and hydrogen makes vitamin C look like a like a big boy. <laughs> uh, and then another one that's really popular, uh, especially now in a lot of conversations, um, is vitamin D. And uh, hydrogen is about 87 times smaller than vitamin D, and about 190 times. Uh, lighter than vitamin D. Yeah. So basically vitamin D compared to hydrogen is obese. <laughs> <laughs> so hydrogen is the tiny guy compared to everyone else. Uh, and so those are just some examples about its size. Yeah. And here's, here's the good news though, is that our next episode is going to be all about how small molecular hydrogen is we have some pretty awesome examples we might think of some more but we just really feel like it's really hard to grasp how small hydrogen is and really it's one of the best things about it it's one of the reasons why it works so well and why it can do what it can do um it's really like mind-blowing and yeah. so we really want to dedicate an entire episode to talking about it yeah, yeah, yeah. And even getting into some of the stuff I was covering earlier, which I mean, I, I mean, I didn't want to give too much information because there's a whole lot we can cover with this size and the human body and stuff. But like it is it is going to be pretty awesome. It's, it's impressive when you start to look at it and start to look at these images or, or examples that we've kind of formulated um, and uh, be able to give your mind a a space to carve out really how small this thing is um, and the quantities of the molecule itself, like the quantity of the molecules you can have. Um, this is just going to be really impressive. So 
I can't wait to do that episode. It's going to be coming up next. So please make sure you guys um, look out for that one because um, it is coming coming this next, uh, was it next month? Next week. Next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> it's coming out next week. Okay. He doesn't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> I just tell him, hey, go, we're going to do this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make these notes. Make these Find notes. This spit, info. This, spit this info, Taiwan. Spit this info. <laughs> Come over here. <laughs> Come over here. Let's talk. Okay. Okay. So one of those characteristics we haven't talked about yet, mm -hmm. um, which is that hydrogen gas is flammable. Give us some information about that to start with. Yeah, so hydrogen is flammable between 4 to 75% in the presence of oxygen. Um, and it's also flammable in, in atmospheric air at a concentration of 18 to 59%. That second one is a little less known. Uh, the 4 to 75% is more of a um, standard um, information that's not too hard to find. Um, and so, but the 18 to 50, 59% um, is a little bit more of an uncommon fact about its, about its flammability. It's basically, here's a quote from a publication. It says, hydrogen gas forms combustible and explosive mixtures with the atmospheric oxygen over a wide range of concentrations in the range of four to 75% and 18 to 59% respectively. So um, yeah, so that's its flammability concentrations when it comes to uh, when it comes to air or just with oxygen. Now, considering this characteristic about hydrogen, or molecular hydrogen, I should say, has led people to kind of be leery about hydrogen-rich water. Um, but hydrogen gas is not flammable when dissolved into water. This is very similar to the concept of putting gunpowder into water and then um, expecting it to combust. It, it, just, it, just, it just won't happen. And that's the same type of logic. Um, same type of logic uh, that goes on with hydrogen gas and water. So, Kayla, can you read that other quote for us? Yeah, I believe this is from Molecular Hydrogen Institute, yeah. MHI. Yeah. It says, yes, it is very explosive. Hydrogen is the most energy-dense molecule by mass, but when the gas is dissolved in water, it is not explosive at all. Just like if you mix gunpowder and water, it wouldn't be explosive either. Even when it is in the air, it is only flammable above a 4.6% concentration by volume, which is not a concern when talking about hydrogen-rich water. Yeah, so um, for all those who didn't know that or need their conscience eased about hydrogen-rich water, uh, you don't have to worry about it spontaneously combusting um, if you get in your <laughs> fire or something like that. Right, but, but hydrogen inhalation, um, is rapidly growing in popularity so yeah we don't have to worry about hydrogen water but um what about hydrogen inhalation i mean that's a that's a thing that you know people are doing a lot more now mm -hmm. or a lot more interested in now mm -hmm. um so should we be worried about that is it gonna like blow up if we get it too hot or what fire well, yeah, well, I would say the first thing um, I would echo what um, MHI talked about and what the literature points to is that hydrogen gas is a flammable gas. It's very energy dense and it's highly flammable. So you should always 
um, have um, proceed with caution when you're handling hydrogen. Um, but with that being said, hydrogen gas, as far as um, hydrogen inhalation goes, uh, there's quite a few misconceptions mm -hmm. uh, that are involved with with it. Um, number one is um, people assume that because they are purchasing a hydrogen inhalation unit that um, that they're they are literally going to let's say uh, if explode their lungs or something like that. Like oh my gosh, I'm breathing hydrogen is going to like explode on me. Number one, um, hydrogen gas has to be ignited. So um, so that's that's one thing. Number two, hydrogen gas has to be at a certain concentration to actually combust or to be ignited. Um, and and then number three, um, a lot of these units are providing less than that concentration when it actually comes to your nasal cavity or to your nose. And I would say even even one more, number four, um, the gas that's being produced by these units is being rapidly diluted rapidly diluted by the atmospheric air to non-combustible levels. So for instance, let's say a person were to engage um, or let's say were to use a hydrogen inhalation unit that produces pure 100% hydrogen gas um, and that it was provided at a decent flow rate like 300 milliliters per minute or something along those lines. Um, considering the fact that you're using a, most of these units are going to use nasal cannulas, which have terrible efficiencies for delivering the gas to your, to your, to your nasal cavities. Um, that they're going to lose approximately about 50 to 70% of the gas. And that gas is going to get diluted in your nasal cavity rapidly to non-combustible levels, less than, less than 4% easily. Um, and, um, it's likely going to be around, I think they've actually done calculations on this is going to be around, um, let's say 2% hydrogen with 300 milliliters per minute of pure H2 that's being with a nasal cannula. So it's being diluted rapidly to a very safe level. Um, and any type of harm that could come would have to come through some extreme negligence. Like people doing things that you just shouldn't do. <laughs> like, we, yeah, we even saw a demonstration, remember? Um, mm -hmm. Of basically someone showing like how rapidly it diffuses because they they lit um, the end of a cannula and it was pure H two yeah they lit yeah. um and they literally had to get right on it before it would even combust yeah hydrogen is highly diffusible in air like insanely like and it's immediately diluting rapidly and when I use the word rapid I mean rapidly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's actually other even demonstrations online where um, there's actually people who use um, hydrogen gas, let's say, uh, like we talked about as a clean energy source where they use hydrogen equipment such as um, a burner on a stove. And there's uh, demonstrations with technology like that, that they will use a torch, right, or a or ignition source, and they will um, pump um, hydrogen and oxygen to that burner um, because it produces a clean energy, and uh, and the person has to get within within millimeters of it to basically ignite the gas because it's diluting so rapidly right. into the air. So 
Um, that's just a big misconception. Hydrogen inhalation can be done safely and it can be done safely at home. Um, and I would still want people to handle it as a flammable gas. But mm. that being said, you can do it safely. Don't smoke a cigarette <laughs> and breathe hydrogen at the same time. <laughs> like that's the type of negligence I'm talking about. If, yeah. if you would have to be, yeah, you have to be smoking a cigarette, lighting a match next to your face, and even or, at or that, trying or trying to, get, trying it to, to get it to blow up. And Which even at that, like. Even Which if you did smoke see. a cigarette, you would literally, like the gas flow rate would have to be so high to produce a concentration in your face that's high enough to do it. Because like I said, one of the misconceptions is, is that it's, that it's flammable, um, that's flammable, right? And so, but that concentration is four to 75%. But really what we're talking about when you're breathing at home is with air. It's 18 to 59%. And so they've actually had studies. There's one study in mind that actually did experiments like this to try to see when um, hydrogen will combust with an inhalation unit using nasal cannulas. And the concentration in the nasal cavity had to get, it was at 15% and it produced a small pop, mm. just a little. Yeah. But at 15%, I mean, you're gonna have to have a hydrogen flow rate in nearly two liters a minute. Mm. And most yeah. of the and most of these units, most of these units are producing anywhere from uh, 150 milliliters per minute to, let's say, 500, 600. If that's with pure H2 units, right. but let's say like, even with a medical unit that's been used, let's say the um, the one that's used in China, right? Uh, that's been used a lot with COVID-19. Um, even with that unit you're finally starting to get close if they're using nasal can you're finally starting to get close to a concentration in the nasal cavity i think that unit produces three liters a minute of oxyhydrogen so it's probably about two liters a minute of hydrogen mm -hmm. you're starting to just finally with two liters a minute starting with a medical device get close enough to the concentration that would be quite dangerous around your face so yeah. it's pretty safe yeah it, even in that demonstration we saw when when he was able to get it to light that fire just just stayed right there on the mm -hmm. tip of it. It didn't like flow up the cannula, mm -hmm. like that, because in the yeah. in the hose is still that pure hydrogen, which is above the level. That's, right, correct. So it's only what's coming out, but that's with pure hydrogen. Now with oxyhydrogen, that can go. Up yeah, and for those who don't know what oxyhydrogen is, oxyhydrogen is a gas mixture. Um, that is made up of 66% H2 and 33% O2. And it's basically the gas mixture that is produced when doing basic water electrolysis. Um, when you did high school chemistry, you might have stuck an electrode. You might put a metal thing, uh, let's say like a, a metal rod on the end of a, um, of a wire next um, into water um, on the either side of a battery and then you started running water electrolysis and you started producing hydrogen at one little metal rod or electrode and um, oxygen at another. If you were to have that gas mixture that of hydrogen being produced mixed fully with the oxygen, that's, that's just the gas mixture you're gonna make is 66% H2, 33% O2 oxyhydrogen. And so that's what oxyhydrogen is. Oxyhydrogen is a flammable gas mixture. You're giving it all the oxygen that it needs for it to combust, right? 
initially, not from atmospheric air, just mm -hmm. right from the right from the water itself. But even at that, even at that, the oxyhydrogen is being delivered, right? They um, being delivered to your nasal cavity. It's being diluted at the nasal cavity. Now that might make it a little more dangerous by the gas coming out of the line, right? Like it is a flammable gas mixture, but there. Um, you know, we don't have to get too much into much of much more of this, but basically, there these systems are full aware. Um, a lot of these systems are full aware of what they're producing, and they take um, big steps towards implementing safety features to ensure that the gas that's being delivered is going to be delivered safely. Right. So, what else? Well, um, I guess a, a funny story that has to do with hydrogen being flammable. We actually do this with our boys. <laughs> yeah. We um, will take little balloons. We'll blow them up with hydrogen from a breather, from a breathing unit, which, by the way, it takes like a little bit of time and it it, it doesn't push in a lot of, of well, air since it's so... Well, the cool thing is, is like you got to move quickly because hydrogen yeah, bleeds through the balloon. Out. So basically, you'll fill up a nice sized balloon, which we won't fill them up too big, right? Obviously, but no. but I mean, we we'll we'll make the balloon like a size of a person's, like my hand or your hand, mm -hmm. right? Like and um, but literally in the amount of time of filling those balloons to get them outside, they could shrink. Yeah, we're probably like, hey, like, hey, like hey, get outside, half get the size because hydrogen is bleeding through right. the actual balloon because it's so small. But it does make a big pop. Oh, it's an awesome pop. It's like, <laughs> we, we got the coolest 4th of July on the block. You right. know, nobody's got cool. fireworks like we do. And guess what? The cleanup's nice. All we got to do is pick up a balloon and just got some water residue on it. Right. Well, I think to kind of end flammability would be just to talk about the reality that that hydrogen is a very energy dense um, molecule or energy source. Um, it is uh, being looked at quite a bit um, as a alternative um, clean energy source, obviously because this combustion produces water um, and that it is three times more energy dense than gasoline. I know MHI discussed the reality about it being the most energy dense molecule by mass. Um, but um, here is a quote that uh, that dis that kind of discusses the same thing. So, Kayla, will you go ahead and read that for us? By contrast, hydrogen has an energy density of approximately 120 megajoules per kilogram, almost three times more than diesel or gasoline. In electrical terms, the energy density of hydrogen is equal to a 33.6 kilowatt hours of usable energy per kilogram versus diesel, which only holds about 12 to 14 kilowatt hours per kilogram. Yeah. Did, so, I, say, did I say all that right? I believe so. Okay. And so, yeah, so basically hydrogen, as stated by this quote, is three times more energy dense than gasoline. That's what you should, that's what you should take away from it. Um, and that it is being considered as a alternative energy source due to the reality of it being so energy dense. And it's clean. It's a. It's a. It just produces water. Mm -hmm. The byproduct. The, yeah, the byproduct of the reaction is water. Right. So, what are some misconceptions about hydrogen gas that you want the people to know? Well, I think first I would probably start with the reality that hydrogen gas is not discussed very much in the average day-to-day -day conversations with people. 
And so um, we don't really have much of a of a much of an understanding of it. And so a lot of times when, when like people mention hydrogen or hydrogen gas or molecular hydrogen or things like that, normally, at least in my experience, has been people have confused it with water or they've confused it with hydrogen peroxide. And although hydrogen is in both of those molecules, um, they are two different complete, they're completely two different molecules. Um, hydrogen gas or molecular hydrogen is H2, that's its chemical formula. Water is H2O and hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. And so those are some pretty big misconceptions. Um, What's another one? Well, I know um, when we first started, a lot of people were calling it active hydrogen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So active hydrogen. Yeah, that's a that's another big one, um, which is a total misnomer. It um, it doesn't accurately accurately convey what molecular hydrogen is and is more of a pseudoscience or marketing term. Mm. But um, it does have. It does have a, um, does kind of have a history. We actually did a video uh, discussing this. Was it a Q and A video? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a Q and A video. And so, uh, Kayla, can you read that quote regarding, I guess, active hydrogen? Yeah. So it says, before 2010, ERW, ERW stands for electrically reduced reduced water. Basically, a form of hydrogen water. Right. Right. So. In, before 2010, ERW studies postulated or theorized about more than one therapeutic agent, such as active hydrogen, i.e. hydrogen atoms. Theories such as this one did not make sense in light of the biology of the human body or our fundamental understanding of hydrogen atoms, which are reactive and short-lived. Yeah, and so active hydrogen, in other words... It's kind of a it's kind of a mistranslation from Japanese um, that was um, in Japanese it was really called a reactive hydrogen, which they were referencing hydrogen atoms, um, and hydrogen atoms are like free radicals and they're very reactive, um, and uh, and so kind of due to that mistranslation there we kind of got the the term active hydrogen, which is kind of still popularized and pushed out there yeah. by people. Um, but it totally doesn't represent, and it only confuses things. Mm. <laughs> it only makes it worse. You active hydrogen, when, when we're really trying to tell you about a molecule, that one of its main benefits is that it's not very active. It's not active. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those would be the, the top uh, misconceptions, at least, that we can cover. So we want to end this podcast by just some general overview, more things about hydrogen gas. But these things that we're getting ready to say will be expounded upon in later episodes. But we just wanted to give you kind of a little bit more about what hydrogen gas is and what it does. So I'll start with this quote. It says, H2 is now considered as a signaling gaseous molecule with physiological functions similar to that of nitric oxide, carbon monoxide, and hydrogen sulfide. Indeed, H2 has no cytotoxicity, even at high concentration, which ensures the safety privilege compared to the other gases. But yeah, these are all other gaseous signal molecules. Uh, and 
hydrogen kind of represents a newer or novel medical gas that functions as a gaseous signal molecule or gaseous modulator. Um, and so some of the things that hydrogen has been shown to kind of do, like in the human body, like this is the things that researchers have discovered that it regulates these signals and produces these types of benefits. Um, I'll just go ahead and name a few of them, but it's a long list. I mean, <laughs> it really, it really is quite impressive when you look at it. But it's a selective. Um, it has or it induces selective antioxidant-like effects, and, um, anti-inflammatory effects, anti-allergic effects, anti-cellular death effects, anti-aging effects. Supports the immune system. Increases metabolism or cellular metabolism. Increases the body, the human body's own. Um, antioxidants or um, endogenous antioxidants. It improves the redox status of the cell, basically the balance between free radicals and antioxidants in the cell. It decreases muscle fatigue or lactate levels. It has anti-diabetic effects, anti-cancer effects, improves cognitive function or brain function. Um, it has beneficial effects on pr protecting the DNA and RNA, increases ATP production or energy in the body. Um, it has neuroprotective effects. It has radiation protective effects. It has um, protective effects for the mitochondria. Um, it also promotes mitochondria biogenesis, so helps our cells produce more mitochondria. Um, and that's just a few. Like right. we could go for like the whole podcast almost. <laughs> um, naming off the things that they've discovered of how it's mediating all these effects. So, right. And we're going to do a whole episode, um, basically about what it does. So we go into some of these a little more and give you some research quotes and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. How, I mean, basically how, how it has this antioxidant effects and mm -hmm. how is it doing it? I mean, we don't have all the picture. I mean, we don't have the, the full story, but there are a cool, a lot of cool things we've discovered thus far about, how is mediating these effects. Right. So what are the um, some of the administration methods or basically how you can get hydrogen? Yeah, the common ones would be hydrogen-rich water, hydrogen inhalation, intravenous or IV, hydrogen, um, hydrogen saline, and topical forms of hydrogen, such as hydrogen baths or hydrogen creams or stuff like that. Right. And we are going to do more specific episodes. We'll we'll definitely do one about hydrogen water by itself. We'll do one about hydrogen inhalation. And then we'll do one that kind of is a little bit about the other ones that are less popular. <laughs> right, right. I think lastly to end this podcast would be to touch on a little bit of some just broad, big overstroke of kind of um, some research information. Um, that this is in hydrogen gases uh, in its infancy when it comes to the medical research, but its infancy has quite a bit of data to support it. And so, um, Kayla, will you go ahead and read off some of that stuff? We can just kind of expound on a little bit. Yeah, so hydrogen gas has more than 1,700 scientific studies and publications, more than 100 preclinical and clinical trials, more than that's human trials by the way more than 1600 researchers worldwide beneficial for more than 170 human disease models therapeutic for virtually every organ in the human body 
no known cytotoxic effects thus far. The landmark paper in 2007 published in Nature Medicine also had articles published in the Journal of Science. And these kind of touched on these things, but we are going to do a whole episode over the history of, of hydrogen gas and why we're here, how we got here. Mm-hmm. And we are also going to do one over the safety profile of hydrogen gas as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you have a lot to look forward to. you got a lot season. to look forward to. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack, and we actually unpacked a lot of this on our YouTube channel. We're excited to be able to do it here on this podcast. But as Kayla said, there is a lot of research that's happening, um, and these research publications are growing exponentially, like faster than um, faster than anyone can keep up with, and um, and the preclinical or like the clinical trials that are happening with hydrogen is only increasing, not just from phase one but phase two and phase three clinical trials. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive to see um, the research growing the way it's growing. All right, well, I think that's it. Uh, we'll go ahead and catch you guys next week in the next episode where we're going to be talking about how tiny this molecule really is. Yeah, see you guys next week. Later. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure that you go to our Extra Minutes channel on YouTube. We have more than 57 full feature videos on hydrogen therapy covering various aspects from its antioxidant functions to anti-inflammatory functions to a host of other things, as well as other misconceptions, um, Q&As, things of that nature. So please go to Extra Minutes and subscribe to our channel. We would love to have you.